Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Recap. And we have a jam-packed show today filled with a lot of UFC Orlando, but also, does MMA have a betting problem? All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us to Below Average Joe's MMA Show, episode 254. We are your hosting duo. My name's Noah Baker. I come to you from the great state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. The, the God state, as some would call it. Yeah. The man to the east of me, but west of me on your screen. Mm. That would be Dominic Salee coming to you from the great state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Dominic, how are you feeling? Big, crazy weekend, championship weekend, college football. <laughs> it looks like the way things shook up, Ohio State going to get into the college football playoff. We're both Ohio State fans, but since you are directly in the state of Ohio, what is the pulse like down there, Dom? What are the Ohioans saying? Are they confident? Are they wishing that they didn't make it? What's going on here? Uh, All signs point toward excitement levels being through the roof, Noah, especially when you Mm. didn't even have to bother winning a conference title to potentially get in there. (laughs) Uh, Big Dave, as we like to call him around these parts, has already kind of gave his predictions on what he thinks is going to happen. But he's a big uh, sports conspiracy theorist type guy. He's an interesting cat. But uh, he's excited that his Buckeyes should, keyword there, should, make it into the top four of the playoffs. So it was a pretty solid weekend after what was a pretty disastrous weekend for Ohio sports last week after Thanksgiving. So December, starting off on a positive note, Noah, we had a fantastic card down in Orlando, Florida to kick off the calendar of December for the uh, MMA community. So I think we're going to have ourselves quite the episode. How are things in Indiana, the other part of the Kings of the Midwest, is our new nickname, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, everything's good. I had some friends from college come and visit me this weekend. Got to explore a little more of Louisville, Kentucky, Mm. but also went to the casino, of course, over in Indiana, the infamous casino. Yeah. Uh, I will say this group fared much better than (laughs) the high school group uh, that included Dom. Um, It did not start that way. I had a pretty historically bad sports betting weekend. Um, not It was my first week of really putting in a lot of college basketball. Mm. Boy, am I bad at it right now. So I think I went not money. I don't have the exact money numbers, but I did the same amount for every game. So you can kind of do the math here. But I think I went 3-11 and 11 Ooh, okay. on college basketball. Okay, I see. Yeah, so it's uh, but I'm I'm taking the rest of this year to kind of try to hone in my craft, get a little better. Yeah. Obviously, I'm suspended from betting on MMA, so uh, there was a little bit of soccer, a little bit of hockey. It was it was a weird weekend, but I was able to make up all my losses, Dom, despite a historically bad um, sports betting weekend. We're at the casino. I had $80 cash in my wallet, mm-hmm. uh, didn't use the ATM or anything. I'm like, you know what? I don't like carrying cash. I said, I'll, you know, put this $80 into some slot machines and <laughs> put it to good happens. use. <laughs> yeah. So I'm with two of the guys in my group or with me and I sit down at this machine. And I go, boys, it was down to like $31. Yeah. Okay. So boys, I'm doing the max bet, which was $4. I said, if it goes down to zero, we're done, and I'm just going to go watch sports. Yeah. Fair. I said, I didn't really feel like doing slot machines anyways. Got down to about $15, and then I hit for about $750. Wow. So, wow. So uh, I'm just – I got ice in my veins, bro. I'm just that good. From the brink of Even the when I lose. Even when I lose, I still find a way to win. When I lost Charles Oliveira, my max, my biggest bet of all time, yeah. I hit him with that same game parlay. Was that Eagles versus Packers? Yep. Fucking uh, or no, Bills Packers. Um, 
the single the running back from the stuff. Bills. Yeah. yeah. Singletary under like I think it was fifty nine under sixty nine and a half rushing yards. He had like fifty one on the first drive. Yeah. Hit sixty seven, didn't get any more. It was beautiful. So I was able to break even that weekend. This weekend I'm up now. We up. She she down, I'm up. All right. I'm here for it. All right. So that's that. So things are good. Uh, but we did have a good card, Dom. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know who else had a pretty good weekend marketing-wise? <laughs> who would that be? <laughs> Our friends over at Points Bet Sportsbook. Uh, we would like to confirm, as uh, partners with yeah. Points Bet Sportsbook, we would like to confirm that Drew Brees is alive and well, people. I'm curious, Dom. Before we get into the ad read, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you you saw you saw the the ruckus that went around around yeah. our good friends at Points Bet Sportsbook. What did you think when like when you first saw the video? Like, did you see the video before like anybody had really commented on like, "Yo, this is uh, kind of fake." Like, what did you uh, think? I literally woke up that morning, opened the Twitter DMs, and it was already sent in our group. So I was like, oh. mm. so I could before I even saw the video, I was just reading the text, and I'm like, w- what's exactly going on here? I turned the video on, and within about two seconds, you can tell that it is a staged video, but it was just a unique um, marketing tactic. We'll just put it that way for yeah. our friends. So, well, as soon as I saw the video, since I am an avid user of Points Bet Sportsbook, I am aware of Lightning Bets, which are a yes. big feature that only Points Bet Sportsbook can offer you. And I immediately was like, well, this is obviously a some kind of crazy marketing tactic for lightning bets. And uh, then I kept seeing all these people saying, yo, like, hope he's okay, prayer, thoughts yeah. and prayers and all this shit. And I was like, oh, you guys, like, so you got duped. Like, I, don't, I, I like, points bet clearly thought that this video looked staged like they clearly did not think that this would cause the kind of ruckus that it did but boy did they overestimate the intelligence of many of the people in this country because there was a lot of people there was a lot of thoughts and prayers a lot of i think there might even been a couple posts where you had like a collage of pics of drew Brees, you know saying what a great guy he was and how rest in peace and all this stuff I mean, the man hadn't even been confirmed to be dead yet. They just assumed, and they're like, "Fuck, that, they dead as fuck." Look at that lightning that strike, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for anybody, I, I think it was a pretty genius marketing move, if I'm being honest. Because look at how many people were talking about it, Dom. That is very true. They had the attention of a lot of people Saturday morning before the uh, football games. That's for damn sure. Though, though, it's funny the people that were saying how dumb it was or how stupid you know, uh, ill-conceived of an idea it was, were were the people who were tweeting the most about it, putting PointsBet Sportsbook's name out there the most. Yeah. And they didn't really get, they didn't really seem to understand the irony of that. Anyways, they are the betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show. Right now, they have a good offer that you guys can take advantage of. Ohio, we get, if we get day by day closer, you guys get closer. Right now, if you sign up for PointsBet Sportsbook, they are going to match your initial deposit up to $2,000. That's 100% match. There are two ways to make good on this offer. One, you go into the link in the description. Follow that link. Sign up. Put in your deposit. It gets matched up to $2,000, of course. Or you can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app. Sign up through the app. Use code MMA Joe's. Dom, you want to repeat that? MMA Joe's. Add sign up, put in your deposit, boom, you get the offer matched. So please bet responsibly. Uh, do not fall for internet marketing campaigns. Right. And with that, Dominic, let's move in to UFC Orlando, our main event. Where Stephen Thompson, at 39 years old and all, gets the fourth round TKO over Kevin Holland. This happened at the end of the round. Uh, corner stoppage. Kevin Holland's corner stepping in. 
It looked like Kevin Holland might have broke his hand, his right hand, and broken at least a rib or two on that right side. So I think uh, this fight was a lot of fun for about the first half. And then the second half of this fight, boy, what a master class it was. And it goes to show, Dom, that under the right kind of matchups, if you give Steven Thompson a guy who will stand and strike with him, he is still as legit as it gets. Yes. He may not be quite as deadly as he was in 2016, 2017. He may not be as capable of uh, defending himself against grapplers and wrestlers, maybe just a tad slower. The chin may be just a tad um, more tested. But under these kind of matchups where you get a guy who's willing to strike with him, who looks to try to outpower him, you know, where he has the obvious accuracy and technique advantages, he put on a show here. I mean, he just looked... He looked 25 years old. He's 39. Yeah. Obviously, I, I don't quite. I, I think the the uh, this might hurt our good friend and uh, JP, who was talking about this. And I don't mean it to come off as a slight, but I, I think the idea of Wonder Boy being in the title picture is kind of past. I think he's sort of past that point. I think he's more so wanting these kind of fights, these fun matchups where guys are going to want to stand and trade with him. And I don't blame him because this is the kind of fight I want to see him. I don't want to see him fight Shavkat Rachmanov. Right. Yeah. Don't need yeah. to see it. Yeah. So Dominic, your thoughts on the showcase, the masterclass that was Stephen Wonderboy's performance over Kevin Holland. I mean, kind of like I said on Thursday, guys, I just felt like over the course of five rounds, if Kevin was willing and wanting, I should say to strike with Stephen Thompson, it just was not a good idea, regardless of his power. And I think even without a broken hand, Wonderboy was still pulling away as that fight went round by round, minute by minute, man, because his output is just insane. The fact that he can keep that pace, the way that he moves around the octagon and constantly evading, and he can do that for 25 minutes is absolutely insane. So it was just the past two wins for Wonderboy, Jeff Neal and now Kevin Holland, are two of the best performances we've ever seen from Wonderboy Thompson. So, uh, I mean, all credit to him to be turning 40, I believe, in February and still doing this level of uh, MMA and this level of striking is insane against good competition. Kevin Holland, man, gave it his absolute all in those early rounds. He was throwing big power shots, had a great first round. Second round was great for Wonderboy. It was just such a sick fight. It was literally trending toward the fight of the year um, at least not the number one, but in the discussion of our like nominees here in a couple mm. weeks on the Joey's. Um, and then it just happened. That hand seemed to be broken and wonder boy did not let up dude. And I'll say this, there was, I believe two instances where Kevin had in a, either a scramble or just some sort of awkward situation where they were on the ground and Kevin was on top and he chose not to really pursue anything. And I just wonder why? Why would he not at least try to do it? Was he just wanting to put on a show, which I respect that, but if he really wanted to win, you know he has an advantage down there if he has Wonderboy on his back, so I question that a little bit, but if he was just wanting to give the fans a show, it is what it is, but Wonderboy looks absolutely amazing. I don't know about the title picture either. It would be crazy if there's a world where he gets his way back there, but I will say this much. If he can, let's say he fights like a Jorge Masvidal. I know you mentioned that last night. Say he wins that fight. Another striker, right? So it's winnable. A rematch from a while back as well. Let's say he wins that fight, and for some odd reason, everything ahead of him works out to where maybe Wonderboy gets one more chance, and Leon Edwards is still the champion, who's another striker. There's potentially a world where Wonderboy could still pull off the impossible I just worry about that route to get there while Leon's the champion. It's the mm. only problem, though. Yeah, I just think in order for him to get there, he'll have to go through some sort of bad matchup. Uh, there's yeah. still Gil Gilbert Burns that he's already got a loss to. Um, Leon Edwards does have a good wrestling base as well, so I, I don't think that's a matchup that particularly favors him. He's still got Kamaru Usman. Colby Covington. I mean, these are all terrible matchups. And you got Shavkat Rachmanov and Hamzat Chimaev on, on their way up. You know, it's uh, 
yeah, I, just, I, I prefer to just see him in more of these high-level, uh, you know, credible matchups. A Jorge Masvidal, I was uh, going to plug it a little bit uh, after we kind of got through the fight analysis, but that is what I think should be the next fight. Um, it's a match that matchups already happened. Wonderboy got the win back in like 2017. That was kind of before, right before Masvidal really hit that new level where he, you know, started kind of rocking the Scarface look and just started literally baptizing fuckers in the octagon. So that's the matchup that should happen. Um, but on the Kevin Holland side of this fight, it was obvious that he wanted to put on a show for the fans. Is it is it as simple as saying it is what it is? Because I mean, I, I'm curious, Dom. Like when you we all we both like Kevin Kevin Holland, obviously. Like he's a seems like a good guy. Uh, he's a fun fighter, you know. But he is a guy that has had a lot of potential, you know, throughout his career. He's he's had great runs, like back in 2020. Uh, then 2021 wasn't as kind, but then he moves down to welterweight. He has the highest, he's the tallest fighter in the whole welterweight division. He's got the longest reach in the whole welterweight division. And then you look at this fight and you see those moments where you feel like he could kind of, you know, find his footing, get his edge in the, in the matchup where he has wonder boy down and he refuses to really take that advantage. He wants to have the fun war on the feet. But is it as simple as saying, well, that's, you know, hey, shout out to him for, you know, wanting to put on a fight for the fans and whatnot. Because I'm just having this internal debate in myself of, well, you're you're a high-level fighter. You're fighting the number six guy in the world. You know, can we really trust him to be in another position like this if he's not willing to do whatever it takes to get a victory and move forward? Or... Do I kind of take out that 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 sort of a glass half empty, I guess, way of looking at it? But the glass half full is, well, we know he's always going to want to put on a show for the fans, so he should continue getting these high-profile matchups, these big spots, because we know he's going to deliver a fun fight even if he doesn't win, even if it's not in a style to his advantage. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an internal debate. Uh in terms of betting on like a fight of his, that's got to be frustrating. If you bet on Kevin Holland, he was the favorite coming in here, and you see a guy that sort of throws away his chances in order to just have a fun fight, uh, that might be enough for us because we didn't bet on that fight. But is it enough when, you know, if you're someone that put money on Kevin Holland thinking, you know, if he were able to get the fight there that he'd have some sort of advantage – and you see him just completely ignore that, erase it all together. I mean, that's got to be pretty frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I would say. And I'll tell you what, too, Noah. Like, throughout the week, like, media day and stuff, it still felt as if he's not 100%. Like, that little mini couple-day retirement that he had, I don't think it was, like, for show. I think he was, like, legitimately willing to be retired. And I think it showed throughout media this week because he didn't seem all there all that much invested and he, when even asked about like his retirement he was like oh it's definitely still on the table and he was talking about favoritism and fights and like you know if Hamza get, gets announced tomorrow to fight for the 185 pound title then I'm absolutely calling it quits and yada 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 so it's it's interesting because in a sense hasn't he almost been kind of treated that same way not as much as a guy like Hamza but like again he was fighting the number six guy, Stephen Thompson, in the world here with no real rhyme or reason to get that opportunity. So I, I, I don't know, man. I just feel like we really could see Kevin Holland potentially retire sooner than what we may think. Like that little mini one, I think in his head, mentally, he might be ready and willing to step away from the sport, in all honesty. I'm not even sure if that's a bad idea either. Uh, he's made a good amount of money, it appears. He, uh, this is what I mean is like, he's a very popular guy. He's a good character. He's a nice guy to have around the sport, mm-hmm. but if he's not going to do what it takes to get a win, then maybe retirement is a good option for him. 
You yeah. know, if he's not really taking this seriously, I'm not saying he isn't, but if he's just, you know, taking this as an opportunity to fight a legend, Wonder Boy, you know, get paid and just put on a little fight, a good fight for the fans. Like, yeah, I understand we're fans. We want to watch good fights. I've complained about guys like Israel Adesanya and Bilal Muhammad in the past and stuff. But you just, there's ways to have fun fights, but still fight to your advantage. And I just think Kevin Holland didn't really do that here. So maybe retirement is a good option. You know, you hate to say that about a guy who has a lot of potential, still pretty young, but you know, if he's already thinking about it, that's what Dana White used to always say. If you're already talking about it, if you're thinking about it, you might as well just do it because you're already got a foot out the door at that point. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in 2023 with Kevin Holland. Any thoughts on the Wonder Boy Jorge Masvidal matchup? I don't hate that. I mean, especially if we're not going to get Gilbert Burns, obviously, versus Jorge Masvidal. Jorge's uh, been out for a while. That's a fun fight. It's a rematch. I believe that fight was pretty close, if I'm not mistaken, from a few years back as well. So Mm -hmm. it's two guys that are in fun fights. People like watching them fight. It wouldn't be boring by any means. I wouldn't imagine a world where it would be. So I'm not opposed to that at all. And still, like rankings-wise, evens, it makes sense as well. They're two top ten guys. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, with those guys, though, in their place, like, rankings don't really matter at that point. Like, I don't see Masvidal ever fighting for a belt again. I think Wonder Boy's time in the title picture's kind of passed. They're kind of in, like, a a separate wing of the welterweight division, in my opinion. They're more fighting for the, the legacy, money, bigger fights than really trying to advance toward a title shot. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. Like... I'm more so for Jorge in that respect because he's obviously been in these big mega fights before. But I still feel like both guys have the desire to get to the title. It's just a matter of, like, realistically, mm. is it going to happen? You know what I mean? It's kind of... Yeah, I guess realistically, I just think there's no chance that either yeah. one of them get back there, you know? So it makes sense for but, them to fight, you know? But that means JP, once uh, Ohio opens, he's going to get great odds on 2023 welterweight champion Stephen Thompson. So take advantage of that. Uh, We'll have more on this card to come. We are going to get into some headlines, and there's really only one thing to talk about, Dom. We had already kind of started this conversation on a previous episode. Um, Essentially, everything that we're about to talk about stems from... An incident back on November, was it 9th when that fight took place? Yeah, it was almost a It was early, er, early November. There was a fight between Derek Minner and Shaylin Nerdenbecki. Uh, Nerdenbecki was around a minus 220 or so on fight day. Um, and then within hours, it had skyrocketed up to like a minus 420 or something like that, 450, whatever it was. So this was obviously flagged as like some suspicious betting activity going on here. And then the fight takes place and everybody was tweeting about it before the fight even started. That's when you know, like, it's like, okay, this is interesting. And then you watch the fight and about 20 seconds in, Minner throws a body kick, immediately winces, like his legs hurt. Um, He attempts to throw another one with the same leg. Uh, Then he gets hit with a knee to the face. He drops. Nerd and Becky land some ground and pound, and that's it. It was over in like a minute. So afterwards, there was an investigation launched on this fight for suspicious betting activity. Dana, in one of his post-fight press conferences, said there was nothing to worry about. This stuff happens all the time. Nobody did anything wrong. You know, they're just doing their due diligence and whatnot. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Then the crack started to show in that theory because. The state of New Jersey uh, essentially would not allow... Was it, was it New Jersey where they wouldn't allow James Krause to... Uh, I'm getting my shit mixed up. I, there was I a fight was... night afterwards where they wouldn't allow James Krause to corner one of his fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like suspended from cornering until the investigation uh, was complete. Um, I believe there was something with New Jersey where 
Uh, oh, they disallowed taking wagers on fights involving James Krause. That's what it was. I have it literally on my sheet. Don't know why I don't just look at it. So that was kind of so everything that started to snowball, right? And everybody's like, "Damn, this thing might, you know, this might be a bigger deal than Dana was kind of letting on." Which, you know, obviously Dana's, you know, we like Dana, but sometimes he lies. I mean, that's just yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. Well, now Dom, over our good our good neighbors up north in Canada, two of those provinces, Alberta and Ontario have denied sportsbooks from taking wagers on UFC bouts, all UFC bouts. Yeah. Dominic, they they have made that same ruling about WWE. That is telling me and <laughs> it, what it should be telling you and everybody else. They are looking at they are basically having enough doubt about the legitimacy of UFC bouts that they think it is on the level in terms of sport legitimacy as WWE which has Fully, admittedly scripted, scripted. staged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is believed to be all connected, starting with that snowball of the whole Derek Minner fight. He has, of course, been released. Um, Ontario is like one of the—I mean, it's one of the biggest provinces over in Canada. Yeah, massive market, massive amount of people that are sports betting over there. And then Alberta, of course, big as well. And then that wasn't all, Dom. Because then just a short few hours later, UFC uh, zone Hunter Campbell sends out a memo to all fighters, UFC staff, trainers, all the coaches, everything, saying if you are a fighter under James Krause, if you are in his camp, you will be no longer allowed to compete at UFC events. Yeah. I mean, what a bombshell. And Dominic, I don't think the story's over. If I had to be if I was a betting man, I would bet that we will talk about this again on this show. But I gotta know, like, I think my question for you has to be, where do you think this is going? Like how much can this will this continue to grow? Is is the UFC memo that, you know, really right there, cut it off, said, hey, you guys can't fight for the UFC if you're under James Krause. That includes the likes of Brandon Moreno, UFC uh, former champion, and will be competing for a title here in a month. Uh, this includes David Onama, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that get to really nip it in the butt and stop the snowball? Or, Dom, is this just the tip of the iceberg? I sure hope it's not the latter there, no. In the UFC, I think you can tell they're feeling the pressure here. I mean, they're trying mm. now. Because, you know, the original memo went out before this situation happened with Derek Minner, where they said, we can't allow sports betting anymore, coaches, oh. teammates, yada, yada, yada. You know, you can't yeah. do this. I should have mentioned uh, code of conduct uh, yeah, policy code of that conduct. was updated. But it basically then, said if you're completely involved in a fight, fighting, coaching, yeah. whatever, you're not allowed to bet on fights. So, yeah, go yeah. ahead and continue. And then this happened two weeks after that, and it's not stopped ever since then. So this is crazy, man. The fact that, like, again, Ontario, that's where Toronto is. That is a major, <laughs> major sports market, sports betting market. Like, you know, stake.com that all these fighters talk about, I believe they're in Canada and, like, Europe and stuff. So, this is a big, big deal, and you can only hope that it can be stopped now before it continues to get even worse. And for our own selfish, degenerate needs, Noah, I surely hope it can be stopped soon because if we get to the point where we can't do sports betting on the UFC and MMA, what? A, well, actually, it might be better for our wallets, but that, that's beside the point. <laughs> I don't want a world where that exists, so this is crazy, and... Originally, when we talked about the Derek Minner situation, I had hinted at, like, it could become a snowball. But when I said that, I didn't think it was going to be this bad this quickly. Yeah, So right. Um, and we're talking major fighters out of glory MMA. Uh, Brandon Moreno, like we already said, fighting for a title in a month. David Onama, Jeff Molina, like, a lot of young guys that are surging. A champion now in Brandon Moreno. I mean, this is a very bad situation. And you're forcing these fighters to pick up their lives and move – somewhere else to fight at a new gym i mean this 
is way bigger than just like, oh, well, you got to stop this from happening. Sports betting has to look good, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to come off as like this changes the lives and careers of fighters potentially. So I surely hope that there's not much more to come, but it feels like it's going to keep trickling and keep pouring. It, it is really crazy. I couldn't have envisioned this happening so fast. If I had to guess, and now this is completely unprecedented, so really we're all just kind of speculating, guessing here, and we're not, we don't have any insider info, so we, you know we're completely just going off of vibes and and articles, <laughs> our feelings, and yeah, that's that's really speculation is is rampant, and we want to be careful about where we speculate where because you know. It seems like this, then this is where I'm really going to connect it. So a lot of hate's being thrown at James Krause, a lot of vigor, a lot of aggression. You know, people are not happy. And I understand why. But guys, I will be shocked if when it's all said and done that this Alberta and Ontario sort of banning, at least for now, the uh, MMA wagers. I would be shocked if all that stems from is that one incident. Mm-hmm. Dominic, I think there's a I think we're we're looking at some really serious stuff that's about to come out. Like a big old I think can this of worms. James Krause thing, I think it James Krause might have opened up a can of worms that may just be rampant through the sport I mean, of MMA. And, and Noah, this could turn into UFC. a very Yes, a very big black eye on the sport. Yeah. And, and the leader of the sport in the UFC. So I really... It's very it's, it's, it, it, it's very well known now how during the, the 20s through the 60s and 70s, how much organized crime had an impact on boxing. You know, they would pay fighters to take dives. They would, you know, sort of set matchups in place that favored a guy that they wanted to win. You know, they did all this stuff. They would threaten fighters. I mean, there was organized crime had, uh, had boxing by the balls for half of a century, you know, and that was when boxing was at its biggest, you know, many fights that a lot of boxing golden age fans, you know, either remember or look at fondly were likely impacted by organized crime. The idea of something of that magnitude being unveiled in MMA is very scary because it start it starts with MMA betting, but I don't think it ends there, you know, potentially. And I don't know what it could be. Like, for all we know, this, like we said about the last time we talked about this James Krause incident, at best, he... James Krause, obviously very well-known coach, but also has become more well-known for the fact that he has a lot of betting content on his social Mm -hmm. medias. He has a Discord Mm -hmm. dedicated to his picks and talking about fights, and he bets on all the fights. And obviously this was before that code of conduct policy got put into place. Well, right after that policy gets put into place, one of his fighters, Derek Minner, has a very weird fight where the odds got real weird. At best, maybe you sent your fighter, your fighter went in there injured. You knew about it. Never, it, but you know, it's unclear if it, it just somehow got out, whether it was you accidentally told somebody, whatever. Yeah, yes. But at worst, we could potentially be looking at a coach who may have wagered against his fighter or obviously told other parties about the injury that he knew of because he coached this fighter. And then that's why the odds got, so that's why obviously this is a big deal, but Dominic, I'm just worried that this could be, this could have launched an investigation that, that pulled out a lot of rabbits out of hats. And all of a sudden we're going to be looking at like all gyms. Like there could be just this rampant, you know, betting on MMA and guys betting against themselves and taking like I'm just worried that we could be really pulling the curtain back. I mean, when you question the legitimacy of MMA to the point where you think it's WWE. Yeah. That that doesn't tell that doesn't tell me that this is all coming from this James Krause incident. That tells me that the people making these decisions 
in Alberta and Ontario and likely to people of equivalent in a lot of the states in the country that we live in, they may know a lot of information that we just haven't been privy to yet. And it's all going to come out here soon. And it's going to really make all of us have to take a second look at kind of, you know, what we've been watching for the past years. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting start to 2023. I mean, uh, the the bans in Alberta <laughs> and Ontario are, you know, for the time being temporary, but they're not letting it allow to be allowed again until they see further codes of conduct essentially be expanded upon, become stronger mm. than what the UFC already has. And that's not even to mention the likes of like Bellator, Scott Coker addressed this situation. Uh, the PFL has already had their fair share of betting issues in the past with the tape fights and stuff. So yep. I don't know. I, I can only hope as an optimistic guy, which I am 99% of the time that it all can be paused as soon as possible, that nothing bad comes of this especially when it's the sport that we love most. If the legitimacy of it gets questioned, oh, that would just be such a punch in the gut of a fan that has been following this sport for years and years and years. So it makes me a little sad, no, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, last thing, we also have to mention that one of the biggest um, sponsors of the UFC is DraftKings. Yes. You know, how does this affect that deal? Part of a, a big part of the UFC's revenue comes from these partnerships or uh, sponsorships that they have. DraftKings is one of the biggest ones. They, I yes. mean, the MMA was the sport that embraced talking about betting on air yeah. before many other sports, if not yes. all of them. Very it is such a big part of the broadcast. You see the odds. They're talking about props. You got Yanni the Greek. You know, you got all these people talking about it. You know, what happens if certain states in the United States start doing the same thing as Alberta and Ontario? Will it continue to snowball? Will states follow suit? What if a big gambling state like New Jersey or, I don't know, what are, what are some big gambling states? Uh, Nevada, well, God I mean, forbid. Us, that's where the UFC's headquartered is Vegas. So, yeah, you know. like imagine Nevada coming out and saying that they are not allowing wagers on on UFC fights. Yeah, I mean no, that would be insane. Absolutely, the insane. dark ages. <laughs> yeah, like DraftKings may have to put a pause. I could see DraftKings releasing a statement here in a couple of weeks where they're going to put a pause on their partnership with the UFC, and that's just such a crazy thought because the UFC had been really just nailing it you know covid like they really didn't miss a beat they were one of the first sports back they did all this cool stuff abu dhabi you know all this shit they were hitting record merchandise sales record i mean sellouts and all this shit and then you have this gut punch that could just send them back a couple years basically like i mean that's that's tough yeah, it, it literally is like just crazy thinking of all these worst case scenarios. And obviously we're just, we hope that none of these happen, but it just to <laughs> put them out there and talk about is just crazy to think of. So I hope nothing bad happens. I'll just put it that yeah. way. We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, I'm sure we'll have an update for the show. Yeah. But anyways, we'll move on to the rest of UFC Orlando. Your co-main event, Dom, RDA returned to the welterweight division. And he got a second-round submission over Brian Barberena. I thought this was a pretty flawless performance from RDA. I thought he looked really good here. He called out Conor McGregor after the fight. And, Dominic, I know we it kind of gets annoying for myself to talk about it. So I feel like people listening get annoyed where it seems like every big fight happens. We're speculating if Conor McGregor could be the next fight for that person. But I'm just going to say... If Connor puts himself back in that USADA pool, which he never should have been allowed out of, and um, yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, more speculation, <laughs> but yeah. um, I do think that the idea of RDA versus Connor at 170 pounds that seems like the kind of fight that Connor would really want. You know, it's a fight that he would feel like is winnable. You know, you feel like you're catching a guy in RDA out of his kind of element, out of his best performing weight class, a little on the older side. 
But I don't think it's an easy fight by any means. But because I think RDA, actually, I think RDA should be favored to win that fight. But I'm just saying from Connor's perspective, I could see him thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, that might be a fight that he thinks is more winnable than a Michael Chandler or a Jorge Masvidal or whatever it might be. So, your thoughts on that? I, th- I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, especially when you look at the added-in storylines from years ago. Yes, they're not champions in two different weight classes now in 2023, what will be. But there's still a history there. There's still a competitive rivalry that it feels like should be settled. I mean, that was a pretty big deal that that fight was going to be until it fell short with RDA's injury. So I don't mind it. I mean, again, RDA is another guy in this state of his career where he's just looking to have fun fights, big fights. He looked literally flawless and perfect, like Noah said, against Brian here. Got a finish. He hasn't had a finish in a very, very long time since Kevin Lee, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So, yeah, I respect it, dude. A guy like RDA that's been there, done that, 21 wins now. He's in the top five for wins. He passed Frankie Edgar for most time in the octagon. He deserves to call out whoever the hell he wants to. And we even had someone on Twitter say, am I crazy for saying he should call out Connor? And then he literally called out Connor McGregor. So, I'm here for it. And we know that Connor's not going to return to 155, but it's convenient because RDA returned to 170. So maybe, Noah, maybe, and I wouldn't uh, complain one bit. I'll also just throw out there, I think a really fun fight would be if if uh, Gilbert Burns win or lose against Jeff Neal. I love the idea of Gilbert Burns fighting RDA. Ooh, that's an interesting but. Point. But I don't. I, there is that kind of culture thing, Dom, where Brazilians don't typically like fighting each other. So I don't know if uh, where the allegiance lies with those two. But um, I guess that's a, just an out there one. It feels like Gilbert Burns is sort of the, in some ways, like a. Um, well, I guess I can't really say. That. I was gonna say he's like a modern day RDA, but I, I don't know if that's really true. But um, I just think that'd be a really fun fight. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Matthias Nicolau gets the knockout of Matt Schnell in round two. We said on Thursday, Dom, that Nicolau had been a very consistent fighter. He had been kind of consistently good, didn't make many mistakes, did what he had to do to win, but it hadn't led to a lot of exciting fights. It hadn't led to his name getting really out there more and that he needed that kind of performance and fight to put him on the map and show, like, this guy's a legitimate threat for the throne and he should be getting more looks for potential title eliminator opportunities and title shot opportunities. Was this performance the kind that he needed? Oh, it absolutely was. Because Noah came and said, you know, what what do we need to see from Matt Schnell? And I countered and said, well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. What do we need to see from Matthias Nicolau? He did it. He answered all the questions for me. He looked really, really good. No, I'm going to say he even looked flawless like RDA did. He was He's always mm-hmm. defensively sound and has a very high fight IQ. But then when you see the power that he possesses last night, he was landing at will. He knocked down Matt Schnell three times before the finish even happened. So we needed this. He got it. He's won six in a row. He's 4-0 since returning to the UFC after having two fights out of the promotion. He's a legitimate title contender now after this win. I can confidently say, give the man one more chance against one of those top guys ready for the title shot. In his prime right now, too. Woo! I love it. Yeah, he's probably still about two or three fights away from a title fight. That's just the way it goes at flyweight. You know, Davison and Moreno will run back their fourth fight next month. Um, they'll go their separate ways, but there's just it feels like there's just so many guys in front of him that haven't had that opportunity. You know, Roy Val and yeah, Al, okay, you could put him in front of like Alex Perez, but then you know, Kai Car France and um, these guys that I feel like are just chomping at the bit to kind of get back in the title picture. So um, I think he still has a couple more he'll have to win. You know, he's he's. Also fighting the battle of even with a performance like this that definitely got him his name out there more, his name is still far behind some of those names I just mentioned. So really good performance, great step against the guy in Matt Schnell who had built some momentum for himself after his awesome fight with Sue Maderji. But uh, 
yeah, moving on from there. Sergey Pavlovich knocked out Tai Tuivasa. 54 seconds around number one. Dominic is beating himself up over the fact that he did not take that under half a round <laughs> prop. Um, uh, yeah, I, I assume when you saw this matchup made, you knew this one wasn't going long. And my worst fears about this matchup were realized because I just love Tai Tuivasa so much. No disrespect to Pavlovich. But with this performance, Pavlovich is going to probably fight for a title, Dom. Uh, don't know if it'll be his next fight. Don't know if it'll be a year from now. Don't know if it'll be longer than that. But the idea of Sergey Pavlovich fighting Francis Ngannou becomes a very real possibility, and it may not have a lot of hype now, but it will. It, people will start to realize that Sergey Pavlovich is murdering people with his fist, and it's not taking much effort at all. The, the punch that dropped to Ivasa that really had him out of sorts was a jab. And yeah. Tuivasa has a great chin. He took the hardest of shots from Derek Lewis and Greg Hardy, and these real power, athletic power punchers. Pavlovich will fight for a title when it's all said and done. Oh, and, and it's not going to be very long either, Noah. When you look at Sergey Pavlovich, he looks like he was designed and built in a laboratory. This man is a freak of nature, an 84-inch reach. He's built like he was carved of stone on a statue. He's won five straight fights via first-round knockout, Noah. It's absolutely terrifying, the skills that this man possesses. And with the title picture looking like it's kind of clear in a sense of, okay, it's either going to be Francis versus John or Curtis versus John while Francis gets his contract situated in his knee, right? So those are the three guys in the title picture. Well, I feel pretty damn confident in saying that Sergey's next fight is going to be a main event versus Surreal Gone. Winner's going to put themselves in a number one contender uh, area to fight for a title next. That's the fight that's going to happen next. As a Surreal Gone fan, leaves me terrified. As a new fan of Sergey Pavlovich, it leaves me very intrigued. I'm in a bit of a debacle here, Noah. That's a great fight. That's a great fight. Mm -hmm. That's a great fight. Did I say that that's a great fight? Because that's a great I mean, fight. That's a crazy fight. I think that's the only thoughts I can leave you, Dom. It's just that's a great fight. Fair. Next Fair. one. Roman, De Roman Delize on short notice. Gets a very interesting finish, Dom, over Jack Hermanson. My man almost put Jack Hermanson in the STFU John Cena style. Yes. Yes. He had the calf slicer in. He was about to choke him, but instead he just ground and pounded him out of there. What a unique finish. You worded that in your tweet from our uh, Below Average Joe's MMA show account. And I have to agree, just having that calf slicer in and then somehow getting him rolled over and Jack can't move because that leg is caught and essentially you just ground and pound him out of there. Um what a win for Delize on short notice to take on a top 10 guy in Jack Hermanson and get a win. And this catapults him likely into the top 10, Dom. So mission accomplished. Dude, it's absolutely insane. I've never seen... You don't even see calf slicers in general very often. But then to take it a step further and do what he did, he literally had Jack Hermanson in a position of where like the bully has the little the dude in high school pinned down and he's making him say uncle that's what this position was jack had, couldn't <laughs> do anything there was nothing he could do except get pounded into a tko finish for roman again man he had to cut all this weight one week notice he had no business being in a, in a top 10 opponent but he took the chance and he capitalized on it i'll be curious to see where he lands come tuesday morning and what type of matchup comes next because he is a legitimate talent but when he did this I didn't know he was that legitimate of a talent. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I will say it feels – I like Jack Hermanson, and I hate that I'm going to say this again. I'm going to double down on this. But Jack Hermanson's been inconsistent for a while now. He looks great at times, and then, like, you hear he kind of – it was sort of tough luck. You know, you get caught in a calf slicer, you get rolled over, and then you're just done. You can't move, really, essentially. But – um you know, fights like this where he has a lot of advantages going in. You know, he is the more accomplished. He's fought the tougher fighters up to this point. 
He's got the higher ranking, obviously, but then, you know, he had much more time to prepare for this fight. Yes, I know when Roman took the fight on one week notice, Jack also took the fight on one week notice, but Jack had been kind of being prepared for a very high-level matchup to begin with, and then Delizze comes in here and finishes him off, not just wins. So um, he definitely took on a guy, if I were to say, there was a guy in the top 10 who felt like they could lose to an unranked fighter. It is Jack Hermanson because he's the kind of guy who can win against anybody but lose yeah. against anybody. Like Jack Hermanson could give the toughest of fights to the guys in front of him, and then he will get equally as tough of fights from the guys that are not even ranked in the top 15. So um, yeah. I feel like in a way Delizze was able to capitalize on the fact that he got a matchup where a guy in his position could win. And we'll see where he gets matchmake next based off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, that's it for the rest. But, Dominic, we're going to move into the below average bet slip, which, of course, is owned and operated by Dominic Salee at this point. Yeah. Um, I am. I have been suspended. Uh, me and Dom came to a mutual decision to suspend me from MMA betting until I get – Three ghost bets correct two weeks in a row. We will talk about my ghost bets momentarily. So, Dominic, it's a, it feels like I feel like there's more pressure on you now because now these are all you. Like, yeah. yeah. When you have yours and, and mine mixed in, you were doing much better than me. So, like, even when we had negative weeks, like, you could kind of take solace and, like, well, you know, Noah hadn't done so bad. But... <laughs> Now, like, it's just you. So how do you yeah. feel about this? What what stood out to you about these picks? What's so great is the, the, the first week of Noah's suspension, I fucking have to go negative here by myself and bask in all the glory here. But, uh, <laughs> it, you know, listen, I, I have no regrets on this card. I liked every one of these plays. I got a bit aggressive this week as well. Um, I took a stab on a big plus money with Francis Marshall by submission. The dude had finished four of his wins by sub. Marcelo Rojo had been finished like five of his nine losses or whatever by submission. I thought that was a great stab, and he gets a knockout. So, I mean, I can't, you know, hate on it there, but I at least took the inside the distance on that to at least get a little bit of mm -hmm. something. But, like, Nico Price and Phil Rowe, that ended a minute after the under, of course. Um, and then you look at here with – what's the other one? The parlay at the bottom, Nicolau and Schnell – that was 46 seconds away from hitting. So it's like so close yet so far. I get it almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. But I loved <laughs> felt very confident on each and every one of these plays. Sometimes it just doesn't fall in your favor, Noah. So on to next week we go. There's no shot you just came up with that off the dome. That is that something that Big Dave just throws around the house sometimes? You've never heard what? that saying before? No. Oh man, that's a that's a classic one, Noah. You'll have to look into it more. It's a, it's a it's pretty prominent. All right, all right. Well, my three ghost bets of the week, uh, brought to you by Point Bet Sportsbook. Just kidding, because I do not place these. That's the whole thing. I'm suspended from putting actual money on MMA betting. Um, so in the background, I'm putting three ghost bets. I send them to Dom. They are the bets that I would have placed if I were able to. I have to get all three right on consecutive cards, and then I will be reinstated into the below average bet slip. So this was the first week of doing this. I was really curious how this was going to go, Dom, because it would be, for content purposes, it would be underwhelming if I just in the next two weeks just got all three <laughs> and then I'm just back in. You're right. But for my sanity purposes i kind of was hoping that would happen <laughs> exactly so here we had uh i had darren elkins jonathan pierce over one and a half rounds that hit yep. easy i shouldn't say easy it's never easy with darren elkins because the man looks like he's dead two <laughs> yeah. minutes into a fight yeah then eric anders kyle Dawkins inside the distance easy me and dom both had these yeah. So, yes. you know, me and Dom were, were we were tag team in this thing. Mm -hmm. And then my final one, Rafael Dos Anjos by decision. Oh. Uh, obviously the second round submission. So, 
we start out 0 and 1. Yes. So, um, it, there was also a part of me, though, it, Dom. So many emotions have been going through me since I started this uh, oh, little bet. endeavor. Uh, we were watching the fights here at uh, at my casa last night with uh, my college friends, and I said, and everybody I'd kind of made everybody aware. Of course, I was like, "Yeah, I want everybody to know. I will not be like they all wanted my opinions on their bets for MMA." And I said, uh, "No, thank you. I'm suspended." <laughs> Yeah. I said, I cannot give my thoughts, and you do not want them because uh, they're bad. But um, I was sitting there during the Dos Anjos Barbarina fight, and I said, honestly, I think I'll be pissed if this hits because I'll be like, why the fuck didn't I just bet these? <laughs> yeah, All true. three of them. Hit. <laughs> so just so many emotions, like content, like I kind of want to fail a little bit, but then – if I get back in the bet slip quickly, that'll raise my confidence, but then I'll be pissed that I didn't just bet them. And Dom, it's just so, so many emotions. I don't know how to feel. Um, but we'll get back at it next week. Paper so, week. If officially now confirmed, Noah cannot bet on MMA until 2023 now officially, because there's only two weeks left of MMA <laughs> in 2022. So we'll see. Wow. What a moment. <laughs> That's yes. crazy. Um, but, Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here, and that's with the little segment we like to call Closing Statements, the point of the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, your closing statements for this Monday edition. Yeah, I get a lot of slack for this one lately, um, but I have to ask our wonderful community of listeners and viewers, I have to ask my beautiful co-host, Noah, it's one simple question, and it's not food. Oh, but it is a liquid that we do drink, or maybe some do not drink. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, do you drink milk with meals? Yes or no? Because I do and always, always have. But lately, I've met people, I've talked to people that think I'm batshit crazy for drinking milk with meals. So I just want to know, am I am I insane or am I part of the majority that do drink this amazing, amazing liquid and nourish their bodies with the proteins uh, and the fats and the yadas and the yeast? So let me know. You just cracked me up, Dom, because the real question here is do you drink milk? Because I think there are equally as many people that would say it's disgusting that we that people drink milk at all. But you can't just stop it there. You got to be like, do you drink milk with meals? <laughs> so, well, okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so let me let me okay. So let me think about this. I love milk. I drink milk. I mean, Dominic, you know I love milk. Our our first <laughs> true. Year I college, did already know this. Yeah. <laughs> I would make myself sick from how much milk I would drink. I mean, literally. The story is, and people who are big into the gym are going to be, like, freaking out when I tell them this. But we had always been told that, you know, you, you, you get a workout and a good thing to drink afterwards is some chocolate milk. It's good for you, you know. Yeah. I think when they told us that, like, in high school, they probably meant, like, a glass of chocolate milk, a cup, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One serving yeah. of chocolate milk. So when I went to college, I turned that into after every workout me and Dom would have, I would buy a half gallon of chocolate milk and just slug it down. He would he would force it down. He would not stop until it was gone. <laughs> and it, that led to a lot of challenges because there were some days where, man, I just really didn't want to drink that half gallon. And Dominic would look over and I'd be laying on our floor in our dorm and I'd just be like, uh, like yeah. just... grunting and groaning and you're like dude you're gonna make me sick from you getting sick off this milk and uh yeah so i love milk i mean i go the extra mile not just chocolate milk i love straight two percent whatever white percent give me some almond milk i love all that shit yeah i'm cool with it for meals i'm cool with it for meals I don't drink a lot of milk during meals, 
but I would. I'm not afraid to. I'm glad I'd do that, that shit proudly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I think the real question here is just do you drink milk? Because I think there's a yeah. bigger debate. I don't well, I, did, I, I, I just I think I don't know I don't know <laughs> I don't know how many people are debating. I don't think the streets are talking about, man, you drink milk. Like I like milk, but you drink that shit with your food? What's wrong with you? I think people who don't like milk just think it's crazy that you would drink milk with food. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I am I wrong on that. Say, well, I my question is just to people like milk. I don't know why I added on with a meal. I don't know why I did that. Why that came out of my mouth? Because I just get looked at like I'm crazy for drinking a damn glass of milk in general. So yeah, I don't know. Really? Okay. So I didn't know if there was someone in your life who liked milk but thought it was crazy that you would drink it while eating food or having a meal yeah it's more so just the general gist okay so yes i love milk good as you should well i have nothing for today so i'm noah baker that's dominic salee we are but just two of the below average joes and we'll see you guys on thursday